You're listening to The Brook in Madison, Alabama. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Well, good morning. Um, you like Christmas music? Where are the Christmas music people? Let's see them. Let's see them. Some of you would listen to it 365 days a year. I'm okay with that. And then there are others of us that because of the fact that it plays in the stores now before Halloween even gets here, we just want to bang our head into a wall. So, you know, you may be on one side of the fence or the other. That's okay. But regardless of where you stand on Christmas music, if you're a Christian, you have to begin to recognize at some point that some of the Christmas carols or Christmas hymns that we have are just of incredible importance. Uh, And the reason is because these songs are deeply and richly theological, um, biblical, but there's a a problem, a danger, like with a lot of things, like if you're, if you're like me and you've heard these songs many, many times, there's a danger that you begin losing sight of what they mean and how special they actually are. And so in order to, to, to combat that, um, over the next few weeks, we're going to take one of these very, very special hymns, songs, and we're going to unpack it if you will. We're going to take a deeper look at what does this song mean? Why do we sing this? For the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Um, This is a song that was written by Charles Wesley, who's the brother of John Wesley, uh, who founded the Methodist denomination. The song was later taken by a guy named George Whitefield, and it was adapted. And Whitefield's lyrics are the ones that we primarily sing today. Uh, I assure you, if you go back and you read some of Wesley's original lyrics, you will think, I've never heard this before. Well, that's because we've revised them a little bit. But this song is almost a systematic theology class in and of itself. It's very, very deep, very, very rich. Now, that being said, I remember as a kid singing this song and wondering to myself, because this is the kind of question you're not going to ask somebody, who the heck is Harold? Like, and how did he get this song written about him? He must have been like a really special angel or something. Well, actually he was. This song is about an angel. Uh, If his name is Harold, uh, we don't have any evidence. But what we do know is that he was, the angel was a herald. And in fact, he brought other heralds with him. We're going to talk in a few minutes a little bit more about what does that mean. But again, if you're like me, maybe you have sung this song literally hundreds of times. And maybe it started to lose a little bit of its Meaning, Well, our hope and prayer is that over the next few weeks that we'll rediscover what this song is about and we'll be able to sing it like never before. So if you will join me in the word this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where most of this song was written from. But because this is the beginning of Advent and the Christmas season, 
Um, we're just going to begin in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read the Christmas story together. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Caesar was going to take a census. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem and it becomes time to give birth and Jesus is born. And when a baby is born... There's a, you know, kind of a list of things that's supposed to happen. And one of those is you're supposed to let people know, right? Think about this. If you're a father and you, you've had children who were born, it's kind of like your responsibility to let people know, right? Back in, in earlier days, men walked around with like handing out cigars for some reason. I don't know what to deal with that. Hey, a baby was born. Let's smoke. Um, but now, you know, we have our phones and we have umpteen pictures. I don't know what you did when your kids were born, but I very, very vividly and distinctly remember my kids being born. Libby, and she's here, so she gets to be embarrassed by all this. But Libby was late. And by late, I mean, like, it was time for her to come and she didn't want to, apparently. And uh, up until four days before Libby was born, everybody in the world thought Libby was a boy. And um, we went to have a sonogram because she was late. And the nurse said, that's a girl. And I was like, I told you, like I knew, but we decided we're going to keep this a little secret. Like we didn't even tell Morgan's doctor. And so 
it comes time where it's our anniversary, five-year anniversary. What do you do on your five-year anniversary? You go check into the hospital and we're going to have a baby. So they begin the induction process that night. And then later that next morning, I think Morgan maybe technically went into labor. Well, Libby decided to wait until five in the PM, 509 actually, to show up. And when she did, I ran out into the lobby eventually to tell my parents and Morgan's parents and our friends, she's here. And no one believed me. Like no one believed that it was a girl. And the doctor had to come out and tell them, Brian is not lying. Uh, I can't verify for other times, but in this instance, he's telling you the truth. It's a girl. And I called my friends. A bunch of our friends were at the lake and they're yelling from one boat to the next. It's a girl. It's a girl. And, and we all partied and it was great. Um, and then a couple of years later, Nate's born. And, you know, Libby's birthing process took like, you know, a day and a half. Well, at 530 in the morning, I'm awakened by Morgan yelling me, the baby is here. And by seven o'clock that lean, mean fighting machine was in the room kicking and screaming. And it's hilarious because the way that both of them were born, it's like, there's still those people like Libby could sleep in until 10. We're not in a hurry to go anywhere, or do anything. 530 in the morning, Nate's up. Let's go. He's got two speeds, full blast or unconscious. But you know, I was, and I still am a proud dad. I will tell a total stranger about my kids. You probably do the same thing. What happens when the God of the universe's son is born? You think maybe he wants a few people to know? Like the son of God, the king of kings has been born. So how do you announce this? You send an angel. And you don't just send any angel. You send a herald angel. So what is this herald business? What's a herald? Well, let's talk about it. Here's the definition of a herald. A herald is someone who proclaims or announces important news. It's someone who gives a sign of something to come. There's another word for herald, which we don't use this word any more often than we use the word herald, but it's a harbinger. Someone who comes giving a sign of something that is to come. That's, that's of incredibly important um, information that you need to know. So understanding a herald is bringing good news, is bringing a sign. Go back into the story here with me. An angel shows up and the first thing that the angel says is, fear not. Now, why would an angel need to say this? Well, because if you're being honest, me and you both, if I'm a shepherd and I'm out on a hill one night with all my sheep and it's pitch black, and the next thing I know, there's an angel in the sky talking to me. The first thing that angel better say is, don't be scared because I'm going to be freaking out. But the angel says, fear not, because I've come with good news of great joy for all people. So I've come bringing news. Well, what's the news? The news is this. The savior of the world has been born. And I've come to tell you. The savior of the world has been born. But now remember, a herald doesn't just bring news. A herald brings a sign with it. A herald brings evidence. And so 
The news is the savior of the world has been born. The sign, the evidence of this is if you'll go to Bethlehem, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This news is so important that it's stirred up heaven because it says a multitude of heavenly hosts show up with the angel and begin proclaiming glory to God in the highest, peace to those among whom God is well pleased. What does that mean in English? Glory to God and peace to those who not only receive the news, but believe the sign. So. What are the shepherds going to do? They got news. How would we categorize this news? The son of God, the king of kings has been born. I think we could stick that in the incredible category, maybe. Uh, That's somewhere near awesome, right? We use the word awesome way too much. It's overused. You got to reserve that for certain things, okay? Son of God being born, that's in the awesome category. But now what about the sign, How would we categorize the sign? Here's the evidence. If you go to Bethlehem, you'll find a baby. Okay. Son of God, King of Kings has been born. There's got to be a baby. But no, you're saying that we're going to find a baby in a barn, like born laying in a manger surrounded by cows and sheep and chickens and manure. That, that's the sign you came up with? I mean, I would maybe have a little bit of protest to this. Like, are you sure they gave you the right info or what? But still, regardless of what we think of this, what did the shepherds do? They trusted and they went. Why did they trust and why did they go? Well, they tell us why. If you look with me, In verse 15, it says that when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Which the Lord has made known to us. Friends, when God reveals, we respond. When God reveals, we have to respond. But understand the implications of this. If God doesn't reveal, you and I have nothing to respond to. The shepherds are teaching us a lesson here when the king of kings is being born. That God is the one who's come after us. You didn't wake up one day and all of a sudden just decide, you know what? I think I'll go looking for Jesus today. See, that's why in John 6, 44, if you look in John 6, 44, the Jews, they're coming at Jesus and they're grumbling and they're arguing and they don't believe that he's who he says he is. And Jesus says to them, understand, no one comes to me unless the father first draws him. What Jesus is saying to them is you'll never even begin to believe that I am who I say I am unless the father first begins drawing your heart. Well, the father drew the shepherds, spoke to the shepherds, revealed to the shepherds, and they responded and they went. And because of this, they not only were able to proclaim what they had heard about, they were able to proclaim what they had seen I've seen it with my own eyes. 
They shared the news and they told and testified to the sign that they were given. Look with me in verse 18. The result of this, it says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I can't read that scripture without finding this real distinctive parallel to Romans chapter 10. See, in Romans chapter 10, the apostle Paul says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who receives the news and believes the sign, anyone who calls out to Jesus will be saved. But Paul follows it by saying this in Romans 10, 14. But how will they call on him if they have not believed in him? And how will they believe in him if they have not heard of him? And how are they going to hear of him without someone preaching or teaching or telling them? And how is anyone going to preach or teach or tell if they're not sent? And that's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel. You know, what's crazy is that the shepherds lived out Romans 10, 14, 15 before Paul ever wrote it. Because they saw what Jesus, here he is. They saw with their own eyes exactly what had been testified to them. And they went and they proclaimed it. Well, another 30 years go by and another herald comes, a harbinger, a messenger. His name is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was not only Jesus's cousin, he was born just a few months before Jesus. And he came pointing to something to come. In fact, John preached the same thing that the angel came pointing preaching to the shepherds, peace to those who receive the good news and believe the sign that's given to them. If you look with me in the gospel of Mark, in the gospel of Mark, the first chapter, beginning in verse seven, it's talking about John the Baptist. And it says that he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John came announcing the news, the Messiah is coming. And then he says, and here's the sign I'll give you. Here's the evidence. I come and I baptize you with water. I come and I'm announcing the kingdom is coming. Well, he will come and he will bring the kingdom with him. And unlike me, he won't baptize you with water. He will baptize you with his Holy Spirit and the spirit will come upon you and you will know that you belong to God. John came proclaiming and announcing. And then Jesus came proclaiming and announcing. Look at Mark 1:15. Jesus comes proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, you and I both know Jesus didn't come just proclaiming and announcing. He came touching and healing, saving, resurrecting. And you can read all through the gospels. One story that always gets me, if you just turn a couple pages over in Mark chapter 5, 
Jesus heals a man who's been possessed by demons. And naturally, if Jesus heals you, maybe you want to hang out with him a while. I would. And it says in Mark 5, 18, that the man, Jesus was getting into the boat and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but Jesus told him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. And the man went away and began to proclaim throughout the whole region how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. What does this have to do with Hark the Herald Angel Sing? What does this have to do with this Herald Angel coming to the shepherds? Well, friends, what if we did what Jesus said? What if we obeyed what Jesus told the demon-possessed man? What if you and I, we left here today and we went and found our friends, the ones who maybe they don't have the hope of Christ. What if we went and found our friends and told them how much the Lord has done for us and how he has had mercy on us? What would that look like? What would that, what would that cause? What would happen as a result of this? You know, to be honest with you, I don't really know that we get the privilege of sitting around and wondering about it. I think that we've been given the privilege already simply to go and proclaim it. What does the demon-possessed man have to do with John the Baptist, have to do with the herald angel? It's that news has been given and a sign's come with it, and we got to do something with it. Look with me in 1 John chapter 1. I think John speaks directly to this. In 1 John 1 verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John says, hey friend, can I tell you what Jesus Christ has done for me? And the reason that I want to tell you is so that you might have fellowship with God the Father and with his son Jesus Christ as I have. And I'm telling you this to be very, very honest with you. Yes, because I want you to know the joy that I have in Christ, but I'm telling you more so because I know that simply in me proclaiming it, I will have joy. John says, just the fact that I get to proclaim to you that Jesus Christ has saved me, my joy is complete. And so I'm going to tell anyone and everyone that I can. And the reason that we do this is because Christmas, Christmas is not just about God came near. God became one of us. Jesus couldn't get any nearer. He couldn't get any closer. He became one of us and he did this so that we could feel what we feel. I know sometimes you and I, we don't think this, but Jesus, when you and I hurt, he hurts with us because he's been hurt. 
He knows what the wounds we have on the inside feel like. He came so that he could face what we face. He came so that he could walk through what we walk through. But to go further with it, Jesus came so that he could walk through what you and I could not walk through. So that he could walk the road that you and I couldn't walk. So that he could come and show us the way to live, the way to life, that he could bring us life. If this news has changed your life and is still changing your life, this is news worth announcing. This is news worth proclaiming. This is news worth preaching and teaching and telling. But please remember, this news always brings a sign with it. It always brings evidence. Think through this with me for a minute. The angel came and said, I've got some news for you, shepherds. The son of God has been born and I brought some evidence Might sound crazy, but if you'll just leave your sheep, head to Bethlehem, you'll find the son of God lying in a manger among the cows and the sheep and the dung and the manure. The son of God's been born. Go and find out. And they went and they saw and they proclaimed. And John the Baptist came and he said, I've come to tell you the kingdom is coming. The Messiah is coming. I baptize you with water, but he's going to come and he's going to bring the kingdom with him. And he won't just baptize with water. He will baptize you with the spirit. And Jesus came and he preached the kingdom. He brought the kingdom. And when he left, he sent the spirit and you and I now have the spirit. And so now understand, do we have news? Anyone? Yes, we do. That the son of God came, lived, died, rose again, and has given us life. But you know what? You and I, we don't have any evidence like in our hands. We don't hold it anymore. Guess what? We now are the evidence. You and me. And that's why Jesus, not long after this, stood on a hill and said to the people flocked around him, you are the light of the world. Because when I send my spirit and my spirit indwells you, you will walk into darkness and you will penetrate that darkness with the light of life. Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you not only have the good news of the gospel, you now are the evidence. I will quickly testify to you. I am not an angel, but I am a herald. And if you're a Christian, so are you. And so we sing together. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. The angels came and they announced this good news that the son of God was coming and had come to bring us back to the father. 
and peace to all of those who not only receive this news, but believe this sign. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. And then don't miss this part with angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. See, you and I are now called along with the angels to proclaim that the son of God has come and he has come so that you and I might have life abundant and eternal. I want to ask you to join me in proclaiming the greatest news ever given. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come and we acknowledge to you, we just proclaim that you are almighty, eternal, sovereign God. Your ways are higher than ours. Your thoughts are far above ours. Father, there's no way we ever could have come up with your plan of redemption. And yet it was your plan from the very beginning of time. Father, we thank you this morning that we stand here 2000 years later and we can read your word and see how that For generation after generation after generation, you were saying, I have a plan. I won't leave you or forsake you. Lord Jesus, this morning we praise you because you are a wonderful counselor. You are the Prince of Peace. Father, we praise you this morning because you are everlasting. Lord, we ask this morning that you would renew our hearts, God, that you would stir our souls as if we've heard this good news for the first time. And Lord, we pray that you would stir us in such a way that we would never take for granted that someone around us doesn't need to hear this good news. Would you break our hearts with the things that break yours, Lord? I want to invite you for just a moment to rest. I don't I don't know if your life is chaos right now. I don't know if you're heavy burdened. If you're broken. 
maybe you have drugged the 10,000 pound weight of bitterness into this room with you this morning. I just want to invite you today, whatever your need, whatever your burden, The psalmist said, find rest my soul in God alone. My hope comes from him. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. May we rest in the gospel today. Jesus says to you, there is nothing that you have ever done, could ever do to make me love you any more than I already do. There is nothing that you've ever done that will make you, make me love you less. May you rest in knowing today that your life is hidden in Christ. In just a moment, we're going to respond to Jesus with a song of worship and praise. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, some of our pastors, elders, leaders are going to be in the back at the tables. I just encourage you to slip back there because they would love to share with you the hope that you can have in giving your life to Christ. They would love to pray with you. If you need to come to the foot of the cross or the steps and pray, we invite you to come. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you came knowing that you would lay down your life, that your blood would be shed. You came knowing that you would walk the road to Calvary and you came we thank you for your birth we thank you for your life your death your resurrection we just proclaim you are king of kings and lord of lords be exalted through our worship through our prayer, through our words, through our lives today. Let's stand together and worship. Thanks for listening to The Brook. If you'd like more information about our church or what it means to follow Christ, you can visit our website at thebrookchurch.com.